Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath, August 26th, we look at Lesson 9, Living Wisely. Together, let's see what happens when we imitate Christ and therefore become wise. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at the Adventist Learning Community. Together, we love learning and have 18 years of pastoral experience And now we have the privilege to dig deeper into the study. All right, Michael, here we are, Lesson 9, Living Wisely. Our memory text comes from Ephesians chapter 5, 15 through 17, and that's the ESV. And it shares this, looking carefully then how you walk, not as an unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Seems very relevant for our world today, 2,000 years later. Ah, Knowing what the will of the Lord is, isn't that pertinent today? Like you just shared, if we could all uh, strive for this, if we could all go for this amazing world, it would be. Always. All right. So Michael, get us started here. Instead, let there be Thanksgiving, Sunday's lesson. Well, it's hard to believe we're just moving so quickly through the book of Ephesians, but here in the first two verses are are just a a beautiful example of what Paul is talking about. Pastor Paul is being an imitator of God. I'll just read it quickly. Number verse one, and I'm reading from the NIV, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Amen. And what this is reminding us is God through Jesus, of course, gave himself up the the sacrifice, you know, and, and the lesson talks about the substitutionary atonement of Christ. This is something that Christ has actively done in our behalf for us. And this fragrant offering is a sacrifice. We see this beautiful language that reminds us of Calvary and what Christ has done for us. And if we understand truly what that means, that will give us a posture of humility, a posture of thanksgiving. Wow, God, you did that for me. Right. And because of that, then after that, that changes everything else. And therefore, we are to imitate God. And this way of love is what it talks about, right? To, to walk in the way of love. And when we're blessed and, and thankful, then that changes our outlook and perspective so that we want to bless others. We want others to experience that same grace, that same love. And so it's a, it's a kind of a contagious thing that spills out and over into everything else that we do. And so an attitude of gratitude, there we go. (laughs) And it also changes the way that we walk, which is the focus of Monday's lesson. Yeah. So Michael, Monday's lesson is walking as children of light. And as we look there at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6, which is highlighted here, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. It's called walking as children of light because a couple verses down, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 says, for you were once darkness, but you are light, but now you are light in the, in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So we see here this contrast that is evidently clear, but if we are deceived and we start walking in darkness and 
the question is asked, what is this darkness? Well, verse five of Ephesians chapter five, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral, impure, who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And so we see what that darkness he's talking about and what all this does. And I, I think it's so important right here, Michael, to talk a little mm-hmm. bit about, well, seven through 10. Yeah. And it talks a little bit about how to get out of this darkness because I don't want our, our, our audience to think like, oh man, I'm going to make sure I walk in light because I'm going to do this. I'm going to work on all my strength. Well, that's part of the problem, which is if we work on our own strength, we'll remain mm-hmm. in darkness because we don't have the ability to create light. We choose to walk in the Lord and that is light. Uh, so verse right. eight, for you were once darkness, but you are now light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Verse nine, for the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. So it is actually in our surrender, not in our flexing of spiritual muscles that we find light. It is our seeking. It is our dependence upon God that leads us towards light, not our overcoming addictions, not our overcoming appetite, not our own strength, right? Now, all those things I mentioned, they're not bad things, but what I'm sharing is if there's a particular sin in your life and you overcome it by your own will, it does nothing for you because you're going to slip back into it. But if you surrender it to God and you confess that thing to God and the spirit comes upon you and causes you to become that new creation, that new creature, then you're over it because it's the spirit of the Lord. It's the power of the Lord. Now, there's there's a companion of our strength added to the Lord's strength. So I'm not saying it's all passive. What Mm -hmm. I'm sharing is that our church has worked so hard at being so aggressive towards our own strength that we oftentimes get lost in darkness. And it's time for us to allow the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit wants to do, which is search us and lead us and guide us into the way of the Lord. And so the way that's done is through relationship through relationship with God, not with yourself, not with your own strength, not with your own mind, right? Renew our minds through the Holy Spirit. Renew our minds through service towards the Lord, not in your own strength. And I bring that up uh, because it says, "What does? why does Paul exhort believers to become partners or partakers with sinners? Well, to show them a better way, to show them that there is light that is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what all this is about, to stop walking in darkness and to start walking with Christ. And so with that being said, Michael, uh, after we have walked uh, as the children of light, it's now time for us to awake. How do we do that? Okay. By the way, I have to tell you a quick story. Because walking as children of the light, we had a situation where there was uh, somebody loitering outside the middle of the night. They parked their car and Uh and doing things that I think were pretty clearly... It shouldn't be doing it. And, uh, and what I did is, is I turned on the outside lights of the house and all of a sudden, then suddenly people realized maybe this isn't the place we want to be doing those things. And they took off Buster. Oh. And it just reminds me, I, I think in a lot of areas of our lives or other lives that, that when that light shines, it, whether for good or bad, it, it, it you know, it's, it's the gospel penetrating our height, our hearts. And, and in this case, you know, suddenly people realized maybe I ought to do this somewhere else. And it just reminded me of that, our need to, to walk as children of the light. 
Verses 11 to 14, awake, O sleeper, this idea of waking up and exposing, right, the fruitless deeds of darkness. In fact, it even says in verse 12 here, Pastor Paul is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that's illuminated becomes light, which is what you were just talking about. But then it says, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. So the light that really we're looking for is the light of the resurrection when, when Jesus Christ will come again to this earth. It's one of the, our, our core beliefs as Adventists, right? Is that we right. believe in the non-immortality of the soul. The body will rest. It returns to dust, right? Uh, until that day when Jesus comes and our bodies are made new once again. And so, and, and that's the light that we're all looking forward to. Anyone that's lost a loved one. You are, we are looking forward to that great and glorious day. And it's only the light of, of life, the light of Jesus Christ himself. None of us have that power to recreate life, but, but, but God has. Jesus Christ is going to make that possible for us once again. And I think that's a, a beautiful promise. It's a, it shows the power of God. It shows the resurrection, not only of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, but the power of the resurrection once again that he promises. And that's a, a, a great thing to cherish right. and to remember that, that that great and glorious day will come. And, and just like those who sleep and, and wake up again, you know, <laughs> be so beautiful to be re reacquainted with loved ones. And that's the great promise, um, not only uh, throughout salvation history of, of, of the Messiah of Christ coming and vanquishing sin and death, but the fulfillment of that promise when he comes that second time. I, I just think that's a great way to look at light. And there's a lot of different angles of light, but the second coming of Christ, when that happens, it's going to be a very bright and glorious event. You look at all the descriptions throughout scripture, you look in Revelation, it, it just is truly, it, it's, you know, it, because, you know, darkness flees with light. There cannot be any darkness when there is light. There we and go. so we will see, which is why the wicked are going to say, hey, rocks fall on us, you know, hide <laughs> us. They just can't, they won't be able to, to be able to stand it. So, well, this comes to a different part of the passage. We've been looking at several different angles, but here we're beginning to look at something else, something about bargains. Buster, I like a good bargain, don't you? I do too. And this one is called snapping up the bargains. <laughs> And uh, I like how this kind of segments into both Wednesday's and Thursday's lesson. I'll leave Thursday's mm -hmm. lesson for you, Michael, but it's sharing that there is uh, overlap. Yeah, a little bit overlap, but it's sharing that there's two clusters of exhortations found in Ephesians 5, 17, 15 through 17, then 18 through 20. And 15 through 17 is very interesting. I'm going to mm -hmm. read here in the New King James Version. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Going back to our memory memory verse. Uh, but here in verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly. And for those of you who are, who are wondering, what, what, what does he mean by circumspectly? Well, this is exactly, this is walking diligently. This is walking as straight and towards the Lord as possible. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't stop there. Seeing then that, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. As I, as I re read that as well, Michael, that redeeming the time, I like how the ESB puts it, making the best use of time. 
Mm. Uh, because a question is asked here, it says, what is the difference between walking not as fools, but wise? And also, what does redeeming the time mean? Well, making sure that the fools, they don't use their time wisely, but those who are wise use their time wisely. And what are, listen, we, we already know what that means. It doesn't mean that we actually do it. But using our time wisely is growing in our relationships with, yes, man, ourselves, but most importantly with the Lord. Using yeah. our time to do what the will of the Lord is and not what the will of ourselves is sometimes. Making sure that we are doing everything in our estimation to pour into things that are of eternal value and not just of temporal value. As we're doing that, we are becoming more wise. And the only way to do that is by getting wisdom from the only truly wise one, and that's God himself. And in that relationship, he pours his wisdom to us, and then we are allowed to be extenders of his wisdom, recognizing that we're not the source of that wisdom, but as we tap into that source, we become a branch, if you will, towards that source. And people can attach to that branch and be grafted in because of us making use of our time correctly and developing our relationships with the Lord. And once again, coming back to full circle to our memory text, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And truth be told, if you could summarize it all, the reason why God created us in the first place is because he wanted that relationship that was special, a relationship where creation didn't have to choose him, but a creation that chose him in the first place. And that is understanding the will of the Lord recognizing he doesn't even want, you know, I, I think we get so hyper-focused in on sin. Oh, Jesus wants my sins. No, he wants to throw away the sins. He wants to deal with the sins so he can have the relationship with us. Oh, Jesus wants my perfection. No, he doesn't want your perfection. He wants your character to become more like his. That's what he's after. He's not after your rule following. He's after your character, which is actually up to him as he is helping develop it and us as we're allowing him to come in. And so, Michael, all that leads us to how do we develop that relationship yet through spirit-filled worship? Yeah, this is very interesting. I'm going to do a slightly different twist than the lesson author does, but verses 18 through 20, the beginning of verse 18 there says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, instead be filled with the spirit. So you have this kind of contrast in I have to mention, you know, don't get drunk in wine. Well, the 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 thing that convinced me kind of, you know, growing up, but but and then into adulthood as as a young pastor, it, it was never really something I was, I guess all of us have temptations, but I was never really tempted to want to drink. I, I, I'm sure some people do, but that was not my temptation. But I was I'm a hospital and police chaplain and going out and doing some of that kind of work, seeing people that actually did get drunk and seeing what Uh-oh. they did and the, the, the pain that it caused, you know, people in accidents, deaths, you know, abuse and all kinds of things just reified in, in my mind how, how important it is not to, to drink and not to get intoxicated, right? And I remember one time we were at a grocery store and there's a, a, a person as an executive of a company and he, a multimillionaire buster, I mean, fabulously wealthy. And he mm-hmm. was inebriated and walking out, trying to walk out of the grocery store with a, a, a cart of groceries that's probably worth a hundred dollars. You know? oh, and no. they're having to detain and 
and everything else that goes along with that. Somebody, you know, quite prominent in, in the community. And, and, and it was very clear. It had nothing to do with money. It was just inebriated. And, and I, I think, you know, and so I, I saw that. I can't believe my eyes, you know, what I'm seeing. And, <laughs> and that was, and I could tell many other stories. But, but I, I think what's interesting here is, you know, when someone's inebriated, my point simply being is they don't realize always what they're doing. It's true. Things they wouldn't normally do. I'm sure this guy didn't normally try to walk out of a grocery store and steal groceries. You know, you know, not not when he can write a check and buy the grocery store. He could buy the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Buster. And and this is the contrast. Is the point is is less about not drinking wine, but more about the contrast here. And I think being filled with the spirit. If we don't know what we're doing when we're drunk. That means we know what we should be doing when we're sober. We and when we're worshiping God, there should be intentionality. It, it's and there should be focus. It, it's it's not haphazard. It's not like we're in a in a in a glazed over kind of state. And 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 I think this is the point: is is the Holy Spirit when it penetrates our hearts, being filled with the Spirit. And this is the point that I think McVeigh in this lesson is getting after here: that there is a corporate gathering inspire inspirement that that happens through all of this and there's a series of verbs that's pointed out here speaking mm -hmm. singing and making melody giving thanks submitting yourselves these are all active verbs right they're they're active in the sense that they're they're ongoing and they're all elements of of worship and i, yes. I think sometimes we we get into a passive mode when it comes to worship um, but but worship is anything but passive. It's it's active. Even if you're sitting in the pew, it has to be an active experience. It's, it's there has to be intentionality for it really to actually benefit us and and say you know God how how am I able to and and we need to create worship meaningful worship experiences that embrace all of those active kinds of things. And that doesn't mean everyone should be up front preaching the sermon, but but it might mean that you might need to encourage someone next to you and say you know I. I noticed you and talk to that person and, and be able to share maybe something, how God has been working in your life. And, and so it doesn't have to be this kind of spectacular, fancy kind of thing. Just sometimes it's the little things. And I think that's what it, you know, singing and making melody, even if yes. you can't tune, like me, you know, we, no, no, Michael. <laughs> no, I said, we know our limitations. I know my limitation yeah. here. Giving thanks, you know, what, what good things, having that positive attitude, God has blessed. And then this last one, I think, is one of the hardest when it comes to church because we're so fiercely independent. I know that's one of these themes we've talked about in previous episodes, including with Dr. McVeigh when we we interviewed him at the at the very beginning. That conversation is is we are so fiercely independent. The idea of submitting yourselves, submitting oneself, and saying, you know what, there, there's a lot of things in church, Buster, that we don't have to necessarily have our way. There's not a right and a wrong. It, you know, it, and we, proverbially, a lot of people make fun of this, but it, it actually, sadly, is sometimes true. People in churches will fight over the color of the carpet or whatever. But really, you have to stand back and say, is this really that important? Is it? Is it really? Right. I mean, could we do it a slightly different way and still all of us get along and work together? Or maybe I need to give up my particular, you know, even though one's family might have been there for generations, but maybe... For the sake of the church and others, maybe we should try something new and different, try a new way. And I think that's what church is about, putting the interests of others before ourselves. What will it take so that we can attract other people to come to church? 
Yes. It's not about me getting my way. It's about how can I serve others? And that kind of perspective, I think, is, and it takes the, the surrender, what you were talking about earlier. Yes. You know, and it takes the Holy Spirit to change us. Say, Lord, I give my life to you today. Help me to look at ways and opportunities that I can be a blessing to others rather than me saying, oh, I just didn't get anything out of church. Because that's, again, that's, it's, it's all about, it's a matter of perspective, Buster. Yeah. You know, Michael, you're stepping on my toes even, but, you know, because, because sometimes we get in that mindset of church is meant for me to entertain me. No, mm. church is a wonderful opportunity for me to give, for me to share in the wonderful things that Christ has done. And I should be bringing Christ with me, not expecting to find him at church. Uh, and so thank, thank you for that reminder and thank you for that encouragement. And I encourage our audience to, to continue on with that mindset as well of, of making sure that we are participating in the worship, uh, not just bypassers, not just spectators, but we are participants in bringing our best of worship to the heavenly throne. Uh, I think of Ellen White's quote that's talking about prayer, but she says, prayer, it doesn't, it doesn't bring God down to us. It brings us up to God. And that's what our worship service is called to do as well. Yeah. We're all coming together and we're, we're being lifted, we're, 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 we're being elevated maybe not in the ethereal sense or in the the mystical sense. I don't want anyone to go out there. It's like swoops this new age, but it brings us up in our mindset, in, in our, in our worship, in our, in our thoughts towards others of having the mindset of Christ and not our own. Beautiful children of the light. Amen. Well, I couldn't have said it better. And I think that puts a wrap for another week, another episode. So thank you for listening to the Sabbath school rescue podcast. Join us again next week for an in-depth look at the Sabbath School lesson. Until then, this is Sue and Swoops signing, signing out. out. As we wrap up, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, the Adventist Learning Community, a ministry of the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists. You can join us each week by subscribing on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Also, make sure you share with as many people as possible. And be sure to give us feedback by rating our podcast and go to our website, saddleschoolrescue.org, for each weekly episode.